Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. Last week, we had the absolute pleasure of having Danny from the Messy SLP on the podcast to talk about work-life balance and burnout and imposter syndrome and a bunch of really useful information. So if you haven't had a chance to take a listen to that, stop, go listen, and then come back. Today, we are really excited about this show. Um, For those of you who didn't see our post, Rachel and I had the opportunity to present with the Ghana Stammering Association along with um, Smiles for Speech. And we presented on the parent education regarding stammering or stuttering. Um, I think it's important to note that a lot of other cultures in different countries refer to stuttering as stammering. So you'll probably hear us say both because again, we're kind of um, summarizing the information we gave in that presentation because we thought it would be really useful for parents of clients that you're seeing to listen to or for you guys to hear the way that we present the information to parents. Because I think sometimes that's the hardest part is really educating the parents on their child's stutter because they are such a crucial part of that um, intervention when you are treating a child who is stuttering. So the first thing we started with, which is always the thing I start with with parents, is talking about how stuttering is okay. And I don't think that we can say this enough. Stuttering is okay. I feel like every family that I start with is really hyper-focused on making the stutter go away, on making the stutter get fixed or disappear. And it's really not about that. And I think we need to do better as a society and just as a culture in recognizing that it's okay if we stutter sometimes, it's okay to have that speech difference. And again, I think I think our culture is a little to blame for that because it has been historically portrayed as something to laugh at. Um, stuttering has been portrayed as something to laugh at or as funny in like movies and videos and things like that. So um, I think we just need to do better and make sure everyone knows, not just our parents, but everyone knows that it's okay. And also that it's a speech difference. It doesn't reflect the child's intelligence. And we'll get into that later, but there are plenty of kids who are so smart and do amazing things. Our president stutters. So that just goes to show like it doesn't affect the way that they are going to be in the future. It just is something, it's a difference that they may need to work on. And then something that Rachel and I learned actually before this presentation was that in Ghana, and I'm sure in other places, um, other countries, a lot of times the mother is made to feel like the stammering or stuttering is her fault is something that she did either prior to having her child or, um, just developmental wise that it's somehow her fault. And we talked about this a lot and we kind of got to thinking too, how parents 
even in the US and here might feel like they're it's something they're doing and it's not stuttering is not anyone's fault it is again a difference in the brain and it is something that like anything else is maybe something the child has to work on but it's also not going to be something that keeps them back and keeps them from doing things so i think that's another really important note is that it's not anyone's fault and it's also not the child's fault equally important Definitely. And I think that was something really useful for us to learn because Claire, when we were told that we were like kind of taken back, like, yeah. oh my goodness, we had no clue. So I think that's a really interesting perspective to take from, you know, someone else's culture. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was what causes stammering. So unfortunately, right now, there is not a hundred percent known cause at this time. We know that there's um, maybe some contributing factors or possible causes such as genetics, um, possible uh, child development or neurophysiology. So the, the way the brain is made or even the environment. So environmental impacts such as your schedule, if things are fast paced, um, if there's pressure surrounding certain speaking situations, all of those can kind of cause that stuttering or stammering um, disfluency. So the next we wanted, next thing we wanted to talk about was what is stuttering or what is stammering? Um, and basically it breaks down to something very simple, which is just the disruption in the flow of speech. So those moments of disruption are called stuttering disfluencies. And um, they can present themselves in a lot of different ways. Uh, you might hear certain parts of the word being repeated, whether that's, you know, the beginning sound or the end sound. You might hear a sound being prolongated or dragged out. So maybe in the word smile, it sounds like smile. Or um, there might be a block where the client or child can't get anything out. And a lot of times there is um, a fair amount of tension associated with those disfluencies. So the next thing would be other characteristics to look for. Um, these are typically referred to as secondary characteristics. So there may be some associated facial or body movements when the child is stammering. Um, and a really big part of stuttering, which Claire and I talked about, it could be an episode in itself would be the associated negative emotions that are related specifically to their speech or participating in those speaking situations. Um, another thing to keep in mind is children may go through periods of time where they're very fluent with little to no stuttering or stammering moments. And then other times are incredibly challenging for them. So it kind of is like a wave, it goes up and down and that's something really important to keep in mind. Yeah. And I, I just had a mom actually ask me if there's like a certain severity level of stuttering mm -hmm. that is required to get speech therapy. And I thought that was such an interesting question because yeah. if, if you don't know, and as a parent, you are thinking like, okay, my child stutters sometimes or, but then sometimes they're completely fluent. And that was the situation for her. Um, and so I think it's really important to know that, you know, stuttering is not just about 
the disfluencies. Like Rachel said, there's a lot of other things we look at as speech therapists. We look at the secondary behaviors. We look, look at the thoughts and feelings, the different types of situations, how the child feels when they are in those moments of stuttering, how they feel about speaking situations in general. Again, I won't go off on that tangent because I could talk all day about it, mm-hmm. but that's a huge part of it. And I, I see clients that barely stutter with me, but I know that it's happening at home. Um, so we are still able to treat those kids and we can still do a lot with them. So don't ever feel like your child needs to be stuttering on every word to get seen because, um, that's just not the case. There's a lot of other things we look at. And for those of you that don't know Claire and I's background. So in graduate school, we had the opportunity to, um, work with, intensive stuttering clinics uh, through the summer. And then when we graduated graduate school, we had the opportunity to supervise those clinics uh, with graduate students. So I remember, I can remember being a graduate clinician and working with a variety of clients and one client in particular. And I was like, I'm not hearing a stutter. I know who you're talking about. Yes. And um, there's so much more to it than that. So I think that's a really important piece to highlight. Again, we'll probably in the future do a whole episode on this, but the iceberg of stuttering, if you don't know what that is, look it up because that gives a really good kind of in-depth look on the emotions that can be associated with stuttering. And a great place to start. I often start with that Mm -hmm. because you can find out a lot just by trying to ask and probe the child with some questions about how they feel. Um, And I think a lot of parents sometimes don't even ask about stuttering. They're afraid to bring up that word. Don't be, it is not taboo. It is not something you need to hide. So for parents listening, I think that's huge too. It's okay to talk about. So, um, kind of going back to our regularly planned, um, session here, um, we wanted to talk about how stuttering can really depend on a lot of different things. So this kind of actually goes back a lot to why or how a a child might stutter in some situations, but not in others, or they might go months or weeks without stuttering at all. And then they have a really disfluent day. So um, stuttering can depend on who the child is talking to, where the child is talking, what they're actually talking about. It can depend on the time of day or year. And I feel like this is huge and really consistent with a lot of my clients. Um, A lot of times surrounding like the holidays or summer is really different than the school year, just depending on what's going on in their life, the time of year, a lot of times based on the busyness of their schedules that can often affect it. Um, It can also depend on the child's overall emotional or physical state while they are talking. And then also the length and complexity of the message. So going back to kind of what the child is talking about can really affect the amount of disfluencies that they have. I know um, that's why we take a lot of different samples. That's why we usually have children who are of reading age do a reading sample and a conversation sample, and then maybe even a storytelling sample where, because that's different, right? Talking to someone versus telling a story versus telling something that happened is very different. And that can affect the overall disfluencies. So next to parents, we just wanted to, we usually tell them just some facts about stuttering because it's important for parents to know. And most parents don't until they start seeing a speech therapist really 
the facts behind stuttering. And there's a lot of them, um, more than 70 million people worldwide stutter, which is huge. When you think about how big our world is, um, 1%, that's 1%, 1% of the world's total population. So that's more than you would think of. Cause I think sometimes stuttering feels very isolating, mm -hmm. especially for parents who might've never heard about it before, but it is actually very prevalent. Stuttering affects four times as many males as females. And I think Rachel and I can attest to this, that the majority of our stuttering clients mm -hmm. either now or in the past have been male. I do have several girls or I've had several girls, but mostly, mm -hmm. um, I think overall overarching is male. Yeah. And then 5% of children will go through stuttering at some point in their life. So this does not mean that we should just brush it under the rug and be like, oh, it's developmental. It's fine. Um, I always recommend that a child be evaluated by a speech therapist because early intervention is key, right? It's like any other thing that we talk about on here, language, articulation, anything. Early intervention is key, even if it is something that is developmental because the child is dealing with it now. So we might as well try and help them with what we can. Can, especially because it could be something that they deal with later and knowing what it is earlier is better. And then children generally begin stuttering between two to five years old. Um, and I will say this fact, uh, the, all these facts are from the stuttering foundation, um, the website stutteringfoundation.org. If you haven't checked it out, it's an amazing resource. So many resources on there. Um, but this is an interesting one for me because I feel like lately, in this past like couple of years, I've had a lot of new clients who just began stuttering and they're like in the seven to eight year old range. Mm -hmm. So I don't want this fact to be like solid. Like that's when they begin because a lot of children begin later. Um, and I've read some research on that. And the first thing you should do when a, when a child is, does start stuttering that late is do some sort of neurology exam referred them to neuro just in case, because you never know, you want to make sure that nothing happened to cause that stuttering to happen. So that's always recommended. Just want to put that out there. Um, and then last, the biggest thing is that there is no cure to stuttering. You can't take a magic pill. It's like anything else, speech and language related. We are also not magicians, so we cannot wave our wand and fix the stuttering, unfortunately. Um, and it isn't something that needs to be fixed. It's something that can be controlled and managed, but it is not something that needs to be cured. Definitely. I think it's something that should be embraced, right? Like Absolutely. we just had that episode about exactly. neurodiversity and that's just another difference. Yeah, exactly. And then we wanted to go over the risk factors really quick here. So I always ask, these are questions that I ask parents because I want to know this will lead me to my overall um, not, not just recommendation, but overall prognosis for if I feel like the child may be um, will experience this stuttering for longer, or if maybe it is something that's developmental. So I always look at family history. There's a huge genetic link between people who stutter. Very often someone who stutters also has someone else in their family who stutters or stuttered when they were younger. Another is age when the stuttering began. So if it's over three and a half, that's generally something um, where maybe it will last for a little bit longer because if a child has been stuttering since they started talking, that could be something a little bit more developmental, but again, could go either way. 
And then I look at length of time. So this is um, length of time that the stuttering has been going on. If it's been going on for longer than six months, it's probably not just a burst. Sometimes stuttering is associated with like a language burst or um, they are acquiring another skill or again, just that developmental stage. But if it's been going on for longer than six months, something we're gonna want to look a little bit deeper into. Again, male is another risk factor or factor that I would ask um, or would not ask about, but would um, contribute to my overall prognosis of the client. And then difficulty for the individual to be understood. So their overall intelligibility of speech. And then also looking at their language skills. So a lot of times stuttering may be associated with two ends of the spectrum, advanced language skills and delayed language skills. So those can go either way. And a lot of times, again, I, I said this before, a lot of my stuttering clients have very advanced language skills. So it in no way, um, in no way makes their language, but there have been trends on either end of the spectrum. I feel like I want to say I have seen, like, I'm trying to think my personal experience in the right. school, because Claire, when you're in the school, did you have any fluency uh, students? I had a few. Yeah. yeah I, I have more now than I ever did in the school though. Yeah. And like outpatient and private practice. I've, I've only had two, which is wow. crazy. I know I'm crazy. kind of missing that because yeah. we had so much exposure to that in um, graduate school, but I have to say one was on the advanced side and one was on the delayed side. So yeah. that's interesting. Another Very thing that I wanted to point out was, and something we always talked about in grad school, is stuttering or stammering can typically happen around a large event happening in the child's life, mm -hmm. whether that's um, like a death in the family or a divorce or um, a new sibling or, or moving. Yeah, so I wanted to point that out also. And going off of that too, um, I always ask, always ask parents about that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be something like earth shattering, right. right? Like it doesn't have to be something traumatic, like a death or anything. It could be something as simple as, um, I know one of my families, their older brother went to college, mm -hmm. normal life event. Parents didn't think anything of it, but that is when the child began stuttering because it, it just messed up their whole schedule and their mojo and their family structure. And so it can be something that sometimes parents don't really think about. So probe for those kind of things. Yeah. Um, another thing we talk about with parents is the emotional impact. Again, I'm going to go over this quick because otherwise I'll get into too long of a spiel <laughs> that is not for this um, episode, but we will hopefully have an episode about it. So children who stutter are at risk for negative experiences due to their stutter. These are things like bullying, teasing, having negative relationships with friends and family, um, and then also negative emotions that could lead to something psychological like anxiety and depression. So these experiences that they're having can then lead them to not feeling good about themselves, right? And then there's been a lot of research lately that talks about children who stutter are more likely to have decreased emotional regulation. Emotional regulation is the ability to stay calm and in control of your emotions when you're under pressure or stress. So bullying, teasing, negative emotions, that's all pretty stressful, right? And if a child isn't able to manage those emotions or manage their reactions to those negative experiences, unfortunately, they're not going to be in a good place and they're not going to be able to get through those and they're going to build and build and build and build. And that's when this emotional impact has a very severe 
impact. So this is why um, speech therapists put such a high level of importance on talking about thoughts and feelings, even if the child doesn't have a ton of negative emotions related to it yet, just to kind of prepare them in case sometime in their life, they do encounter this. Definitely. Um, the next thing we wanted to touch on, which I think might be a huge takeaway, especially for parents, are different things you should and should not do when talking with your child or any child who stutters. So first for the do's, um, and Claire and I have touched on this before, it's so important to model slow and controlled speech. Um, we are both very fast talkers, so you can easily get into the habit and um, rushing through what you want to say, but it's so important to make sure you're modeling that slow and controlled rate in your speech. The next is to wait and let the child finish. And I can't stress this enough. That's something I think that all of my fluency clients as children and adults have stressed that it's so frustrating for someone to finish their sentence or cut them off or you know, just not let them express what they want to express. So please, please, please make sure that is something that you do do. The next is to provide positive feedback, which is so important. Um, really, we could generalize that to anything in speech therapy. The next would be to give plenty of time and opportunities to speak. So even if it is challenging for them to get out their thoughts, make sure you're giving them those opportunities to speak because it means a lot to them and it's important. And just like Claire started off this conversation, make sure you know, it, make sure your child knows that it is completely okay to stutter. The next would be things to avoid. Um, interrupting your child. So I just touched on that a little bit. So that would be like cutting them off while they're trying to get a thought out. Pointing out every single time that they stutter that um, typically in my experience is just causing more anxiety for them. Um, Claire, I'm sure your clients say the same thing, but Definitely. they say it's so frustrating and they're completely aware that it's happening. So it's really not necessary. Right. The next would be telling them to slow down or relax. I hear that frequently too, that that just draws more attention makes them more anxious and in turn then makes it more difficult for them to get their thoughts out. Finishing their sentences. I already talked about that. That's a huge pet peeve for a lot of my clients. And then making them feel like their stutter or their stammer is bad or like they did something wrong. Um, we've already said this so many times, but it's something they can't control. Um, it's 100% okay. It's just a difference. And that's something that we should really start embracing. The next thing that we wanted to cover were different things that you can say if your child is frustrated by their stutter. And frustration and anxiety, those are two heavily tied emotions to stuttering. Um, so I think these kind of positive affirmations are so, so important. The first would be, it's okay to stutter. It's okay to stammer, making sure that you're validating how they're feeling. The next would be, sometimes I get stuck too. I think it's so important for children and adults to hear that so they know that they're not alone. Um, I, I feel like it's really hard for them to relate because mm -hmm. they don't always know someone else who stutters, so right. they can feel very isolated. Definitely. The next would be I'm listening, again, validating that what they have to say is important. Um, that sounded tough to say, so validating that you know 
they're having a challenging time, but they're still working on it. Um, the next is I heard you really try and get through that word. Again, just making sure they know that you know they're having a challenging time. And the last, which I think is so important is your words matter and I want to hear them. I love those, yeah. yeah. Um, and the next thing we wanted to just touch on is again, if you can go to stutteringfoundation.org, please do so. There's um, drawings and letters that kids make about their stutter and they talk about how they feel about it. They talk about what they do to help themselves. Um, it's really good just to see from a kid's perspective, especially parents out there who don't know other kids who stutter. Mm -hmm. It's cool to hear what they actually know about it. And I urge you to have your kids do this as well. Um, kids are way more aware than we think they are sometimes, and they know what's going on and they can say some really profound things about what's happening when they stutter. And I guarantee you, they have some awareness of something that's going on. So, um, I'm not going to read you any of these, but there are some just really good ones. Make sure you check out, um, them. And if you're an SLP, that's listening to this, I always have my stuttering clients read these because it's great for them to hear from other kids who stutter. So if you can do that, I think that's really good. Also, a lot of them have really adorable drawings to so accompany cute. what they're saying and like so thoughtful and so yeah. thoughtful. Yeah. yeah. Again, like you just don't even realize how the capacity that kids have to understand these big things, but they do. Right. So the next thing we're going to touch on just briefly is what can parents do? So parents, if you're listening to this, this is for you. What can you do? So you can encourage your child to speak and give them the time to do so. This is some things that Rachel has already said as well, um, but encourage your child to learn and talk openly about stuttering. This is big too. So it's not just, it's not just important for you to know that it's okay to stutter. That's great. But it's also important for you to relay that information to your child. It's okay that you stutter and then talk openly about it. Talk about what it feels like, what happens when they stutter, um, situations at school where maybe they had a hard time and why, and just talk openly about it. So it's not something that they feel embarrassed of, or have to feel like they have to hide it. And then talking openly, um, about it. So making sure that Again, they know that it's okay and that other children stutter too. That's big. So talking to them about, again, those letters that I told you is a great way to introduce it and telling them that other people stutter too and telling them some of the facts about it. <clears throat> I feel like earlier when you said taboo, that I feel like that's a perfect word to kind of describe yeah. this because I feel like maybe years ago, it like you don't want to draw attention to it. Right. And now it's you know, we have this big shift to, we should be talking should. about it and we should be open. And that's how you can find, you know, connections and community and other mm -hmm. individuals that are experiencing the same thing. So exactly. Yeah. That was a perfect way to represent that. And then also making sure that other people in the child's life know. So not just you as a parent, but also their siblings, their friends, their teachers, making sure that the child is able to advocate for themselves and talk about their stutter to people in their life, um, or you talking about it so that everyone knows what's happening. And again, going back to the taboo thing, doesn't feel like it's something that can't be talked about. Mm -hmm. And then, um, we've kind of already said this, but decreasing pressure for speaking situations, decreasing time pressures. So 
not making your child feel like they have to answer all these questions, quizzing them. We say that a lot. Don't make language or talking a quiz that doesn't just go for stuttering. That goes for a lot of other things. Um, but just have positive interactions with talking, um, have conversations. Don't just grill your child with what they know, because that puts the pressure on them. Definitely. Um, the last thing, one of the last things we really wanted to focus in on was how to be an effective listener. Um, it's so important for parents and just listeners in general, even if you're a speech therapist, to pay attention to what the child is saying versus how they're saying it. Um, we all know that stuttering or stammering can be distracting, but it's so important for the child to know that what they're saying is important and that they're being heard despite getting stuck because they already know they're getting stuck and they still want to share whatever information it is with you. So we need to really make sure we're validating them in that regard. It's so important to make comments and ask questions, limit other distractions. So you're really showing them that you have that they have your full attention and just give them the time to talk. So if you're a parent listening to this and maybe you aren't in speech therapy yet, um, I think we both would highly recommend that you do seek a speech therapist evaluation or even a speech therapist recommendation if your child is stuttering. Um, speech evaluations never hurt. And I always tell parents I would rather them just go and see what comes of it. You could even just get recommendations. Maybe they don't qualify for true therapy. Maybe they are little, but we can do a lot as therapists uh, just for counseling parents and coaching parents on what they can do at home, especially if the child is really little, um, just to support their stuttering if it is occurring, even if they're, they're still young. So um, if you do have speech therapy, then you'll see that um, we do a variety of things like fluency shaping, stutter, stuttering modification, um, but we also do a lot of educating the child on their stutter. So that is truly like half, if not more of the initial um, clinical experience for the child is learning what it is, because if they don't know what their stutter is, they can't change it because they're going to just be doing a strategy for nothing because my teacher told me so like you can't you can't change something when you don't know what it is so it's really important that we provide them with that and um i also try and provide them with real situations which you can do as a parent too is giving them chances to talk to different people and step out of their comfort zone so they can try and use some of their strategies or even just desensitize themselves to these speaking situations that might make them feel anxious or like they feel out of control with their speech. So if you guys have any other questions about that, feel free to message us again. There is so much more we could talk about, but we know that our cap is being hit for our podcast time. We don't, we don't like to make our shows too long because people stop listening to them. So we'll probably have a part three, four and five to this yes. at some point. So just keep following us. <laughs> Definitely. And then just as a quick ending, one of our very first podcast episodes yes. was with Dr. Rodney Gobble. He was one of our professors at um, the University of Toledo for graduate school. He's both a mentor to both of us, and he brings a really unique perspective being a person that stutters and a speech therapist. So if you're interested in more information, definitely make sure you check mm -hmm. out that episode. That's like our third or fourth episode. So that's yeah. way back, but it's a good one. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, and again, like Claire said, if you guys have any questions, just make sure to shoot us an email or a DM because we would love to talk to you. Thanks. 
Well, guys, that wraps up this episode. Thank you again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. And you can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in the Ohio area is in need of speech teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. Rachel and I also have an email for the podcast that you can email us with suggestions or if you or someone you know wants to be on the podcast, that's let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.